Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we're joined by Dakota Jones, ahead of the 2023 Western States 100. Before we get started, though, this episode is brought to you by Hoka, Rabbit, Morton, and Features. Head to the show notes page of this episode for discount codes and new product releases from each of these four sponsors. With that, let's get started. Dakota Jones, it's an absolute pleasure to have you back on the Single Track Podcast, and we're live here in Olympic Valley, too. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. It's good to be here. So you made it here. You biked 650-plus miles from the great Salt Lake City to here in Olympic Valley. Any interesting war stories or highlights from the trip? <laughs> I, I wish there were more like great stories. Honestly, it, it went great. Everything went well. Like I didn't even get a flat tire. Um, so I don't really have any like great war stories, but it was an amazing trip. I rode my bike from my house in Salt Lake City to the start line of Western States. And I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> door to door. How long did that end up taking? I did it in seven days. Um, okay. yeah, like 650 miles, 650 miles. It was like, I could <clears throat> break it up in a variety of ways in the past on bike tours. I get really competitive. I'm like, how far can I go every day? But I didn't want to totally blow myself up before Western States. That said, across the Great Basin in Nevada, there's like some big sections without services. And I like I had to kind of set up my day rides so that I could like get from place to place and get food and water. Um, so, yeah, the, sh the longest day was like 150 miles, but the shortest day was like 50. So. Nice. That's awesome. We've, so cool. We've seen a couple athletes in the sport do pretty big bike endeavors before race. Like Rob Cryer comes to mind before Leadville in 2018. I still think you have to have a pretty big why to pull this off. So what was the, what was the rationale for doing this big bike ride before, right before Western States? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like a, a spectacle in a way because I, I run this nonprofit footprints, which is all about like addressing climate change, uh, through outdoor sports. And so we're doing a fundraiser for that right now. So we're trying to raise $20,000 to support a position where somebody would be basically following up with our campers projects and like helping them become like leaders for climate change in their communities year round. And so in order to try to raise a awareness about this fundraiser, get people more involved in the organization, I thought I'd do this big sort of gesture. Like, look at me, I'm riding my bike from yeah. my house to the star line of this race. <laughs> and when you think about the impact that you want to have on people, I'm sure it's like across the spectrum, like even like the smallest actions count, but do you envision a world like, years from now where the parking lots at the start of ultras are like kind of empty. It's all bikes or like, what are you anticipating from all this? That would be a really cool outcome from this, but that is actually not what we're going for <clears throat> because you know, like I was able to take a week off of whatever I do in my daily life in order to ride my bike to the race, but it's not super reasonable for everybody to do that. If you have a wife, if you have kids or a husband and kids or a job, you know, it's like, it's just a, something that I was able to do because I have a lot of privilege in my life. And so really like the reason I did this was to raise money for footprints and at footprints, we're like helping people address climate change in their communities through projects that empower them with the skills and connections they already have yeah so really it's like what I success for me here with this kind of thing would be seeing people feel capable of addressing climate change and like coming up with ways to address climate change at the community level I feel like this is deserving of a full podcast in and of itself but we'll make sure to link to the organization in the show notes are there any like immediate calls to action yet for listeners or, or viewers who are just hearing about this for the first time yeah, I would really love people to get involved and, and like donate to Footprints and, and follow us and, and contribute to 
the actions that we're taking. So at Footprints, we're trying to, like I said, we're raising money for this position and we, we put on these running camps, um, one in the U.S. this year, two in Australia, where we're developing more for the U.S. and Europe next year. And it's basically we want to get people um, who we want to help runners feel capable of taking action on climate change. And so come to our website, runfootprints.org, get involved like on Instagram. We have all kinds of activations going on. Uh, we're footprints running there. And yeah, like I think that we can really do a lot if we all work together. <laughs> I'm sure uh, I know Brett has a bunch of X's and O's questions about Western States. I have one more question. I feel like there have been various eras where a certain city was like the trail running hub and I got super excited when I learned that last fall you moved to Salt Lake City because I want Salt Lake City to become the next place. Talk about the role that Salt Lake has played in training for this race. Maybe it hasn't because our winter's been so brutal, but uh, talk about what it's been like adjusting to the training, the opportunities, all that kind of stuff. I mean, Salt Lake is an amazing place to train because you can have like a real job in the city. There's like every like amenity that a big city offers right there. But I can also drive five minutes from my house to a 3,300 foot climb on Grandeur Peak. Yes. And that's like the closest one. There's, there's many, many others like the trail access and the vertical and just like the alpine feel of mountains that we all look for is it's like right there above this city. It's a really unique place for that. Um, there's a really strong community there. And I, I feel like in terms of like big city access to real mountains in the United States, the only other city I can think of that's comparable is maybe Anchorage, you know, and that's, mm. that's a ways out of, that's a deep cut, it, you know? So <laughs> yeah, I've just been really impressed with Salt Lake. It, it's also like, I grew up in Southern Utah. My sister, uh, like went to the U university of Utah and like lived in Salt Lake. My ton of my friends went to the U. So for me going back to Salt Lake was like going to a place where I've, I feel comfortable. I spent a lot of time and I have a lot of good friends. Cool. So Dakota, you've been in the sport for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, this is your first Western States. Yeah. Was that, was that all part of the plan or, <laughs> or has there ever been a plan? Um, how's that journey to Western States been? You know, if I look back on my career, like I think I, one regret is that I didn't plan. Like, I really wish that if, when I was like 20 years old, I'd been like, okay, I want to run these races and like created like a multi-year plan to do that. It's not something that I ever did. And so I kind of let things just come at me. And that's, I think, a result of me being excited about everything all the time. And so I was like trying to do everything all the time. And that often ended up with me getting like kind of over overtrained or injured a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, Western States is something that I always wanted to do. I knew I always wanted to come run it. But for whatever reason, again, without a plan, I was like always doing some other races, some other places. Um, but yeah, over the last few years, I was thinking like, you know, I'm in my thirties now at some point I'm going to be too old to compete. And I, I, before that happens, I want to give Western States a good shot. I mean, one thing that sticks out to me based off the point you just made, you have had a lot of at bats at the hundred mile distance and you really only just nailed it last year with hard rock and Javelina. Talk about how you managed to keep the faith over your career at this distance and what ended up being like the differentiating factors. That's a lot to unpack. Um, <laughs> when I, I got into ultra running because of hard rock 
And I was like, I was living in Southwest Colorado. I volunteered at Hard Rock. And I was like, this, everything about this, these mountains, these people, this community, that's what I want to be a part of. And I, ever since then, like Hard Rock has been kind of this like North Star for the style that I want to embody in trail running. And so immediately I wanted to do Hard Rock. And so when I was 19, I ran the Bear 100 to, to qualify and just like survived it. I ran my first Hard Rock in 2011. And I got second, but I felt like absolutely terrible. I didn't yeah. feel like I did a great job, um, which again, on paper, it looks like I'm full of shit there, but like, <laughs> like it, it didn't, I didn't feel like I had done what I was capable of. The next year I came back and did a little better. I ran faster, felt like I was more in control, but you know, hard rocks, maybe not the best 100 mile race to start with basically just cause it's so hard and you're out there for so much longer than others. Um, and then in 2014, I dropped out of both UTMB and Hard Rock. And also in 2011, I think, I dropped out of UTMB. So at that point, I was like 50% of 100-mile yeah. finishes, and I just never felt like I knew how to do that distance. I, I'd get to like 60 miles or more, 60, 70 miles, and just completely crater. And like everybody says, you have ups and downs, and I feel like I'd hit like a down and just continual spiraling down. And, and after UTMB in 2014, I was like, man, I got to take a break. Like this clearly isn't working. I think I need more time and like experience to do this well. And so... I set out, I was like, I'm going to take at least five years off of hundred mile races and just do like hundred K or less or something. Um, and then I didn't actually try another hundred until 2020. So that was like six years, I guess. Um, that was the, the I'm tough 100. And I went out, I felt like because it was 2020, I hadn't trained. I mean, I trained a ton, but I hadn't like focused training. I just like literally like there's no races going on. And so right. I just like was out in the mountains. I was living in Montana. I was just like exploring a new mountain range every weekend and sort of on accident, I was just super fit and I went out and I ran really conservatively on purpose and I felt like I was totally in control for a hundred miles. And after the I'm tough that year, I was like, man, I think I can do this. I know how to do this. And a year later I went to run, run, run rabbit run. And I just put on my first camp at footprints and I had broken my hand and I was super underprepared and I fully blew up and had a terrible race and walked it in in 24 hours <laughs> and totally did not capitalize on what I learned the year before. <laughs> but then, since you wanted a super long answer to this. Oh, this is great. So this, is gold. This, this is, is gold. This is gold. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, then in 2022, I was like, okay, if I plan ahead better, if I like don't overdo it with like my other schedule, if I don't break any bones, like... I can be ready for these races. And I got back into hard rock. I was really excited about that. Um, and I focused on hard rock and, and that went really well for me. And it was really fun. Like, you know, at, at this point, like I feel like I can still run better at hard rock. There's always some marginal improvement, but I feel like I ran a, like within like 95% or something of what I'm capable of at hard rock. And that felt good because before it was a lot lower. Um, and then after that, I was like, okay, well, I want to run Western States now. And the only way to do that is like, since I'm not going to get in off the lottery, I have to try to win my way in and racing in like black Canyon or canyons. Like it's just too fast, too long and too early in the season for me. Mm. And so Havelina made sense. And I went out and gave Havelina a shot. And to my surprise, I had a fantastic day and I won and I got my, my golden ticket. And, and now here we are Western States. <laughs> Do you feel like the training for hard rock and then the training for Havelina is going to blend nicely into I hope Western so. States? Cause it, this course <laughs> kind of falls a little bit in between of both of those. Yeah. I mean, at this point that, that was a year ago, right? So mm. I mean that exact training probably, I don't know how training really works, but 
you know, what I did last do any of us probably (laughs) what I did last June or May or whatever probably doesn't like remain in a super like specific way. But I do think that over time you train a lot over years, you get good at what you do. You gain endurance, you gain fitness and strength, you gain resilience. I think that's one thing that's helped me stay injury free over the last few years. And so, um, I think more than anything, it kind of showed me about like what kind of training to do. Like I knew, I know what to do for hard rock and what to do for Javelina, I think, because those races worked pretty well. They went well. And I honestly, like you say, I think Western States is sort of a blend of the two. And so I tried to mimic that in my training. I just want to ask you one more lifestyle question before we get more into States. You know, I associate you with being a part of that first wave of athletes that a got a coach and B really like took this full time at one point in your life. And from what I understand, you've kind of overhauled all of that. So talk about like how you think about being either a pro in this sport at this point or just an elite runner in general. Like how has that changed from like 2015 to 2023? I mean, being a pro in this sport is a lot less like uncommon, a lot more common (laughs) than it used to be. Right. Like a Mm -hmm. lot of people have coaches. A lot of people are like able to make a living off of this. Um, I, I just really, I think when I do something, I do it either like a hundred percent or not at all. I think a lot of us are probably like that, you know? And so I just really wanted to be the best runner that I could be. And so I, I got a coach. I started working with Jason Coop in I think 2012 I worked with him for like six or seven years, a long time. And to this day, it's not like I stopped working with Coop. He's still a good friend of mine and a mentor. Yeah. It's just that like when I, like you say, kind of overhauled this, I like went back to school for a long time and I, I started focusing on some things beyond just running. Um, I was, I felt like I just didn't need to like take his time anymore. Um, cause I wasn't quite focused on it the way I had been, but everything I do for training is still basically what Coop used to give me the same kind of general outline. You're still as serious about the sport as you were eight years ago. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think I'm as serious about competition as I used to be. Mm. And I think that's made me a lot better at competition. That's interesting. Is yeah, that more... it's like what you might expect, right? Like when, when competition is all you have and it's like all you're focused on, it's, it's, you show up to a competition, it's a big deal. You screw it up and it's mm. like you got to wait several more months to try again. Like it's really stressful. Um, and for me, it's like I've tried to build a whole sort of, I don't know, attitude, outlook around the sport that like encompasses so much more than just competition because I I would like struggle to fall asleep before a race. I'd be stressed about getting the right workouts. I'd be stressed about like I didn't sleep enough or eat right or something. And it just like made me unhappy. I didn't like that. You know, it's like, I like sitting on a couch with my friends and like hanging out, having a beer sometimes. I don't know. Like I like having fun. And you take something too seriously, it's no longer fun. And I'd rather not make money and have more fun if I had to choose between those two. Um, I think a lot of people in the audience are saying amen right now. <laughs> and I think that's something that I a, do lot need of, to make money. a lot of people need to hear that too. I think you know, the, the sport of running comes off as like far too serious at times. Yeah. I think trail running is like better than most like disciplines. Yeah. Of it's on its we way have a lot sure. more fun. Yeah. We're getting a little more serious, which can be good and bad, but, um, yeah, I want us always to have fun. And, like, you know, whatever happens at Western States this weekend, 
I think I can do well. I'm going to try my best. But if I have mm-hmm. a bad day and blow up, I'm going to like jog it in unless I'm hurt. I'm going to yeah. walk it in or jog it in. Like I'm out there because it's, there's like so many people here for this event that we like build so much excitement around like this whole, the stories around it, the history, all the people, like the community. This is a fantastic event. It's representative of what we love so much about the sport. And that's what I want to celebrate. You know, if I also have a fantastic race, that's really cool. But yeah. You never know. Yeah, that, that's just <laughs> icing on the cake for sure. Right. Um, diving into, I guess, the day of Western States, um, you know, we were talking about a little earlier. Like, I, I, I see you as one of the early adopters of the hyper fast aid station transition. Like, I remember when I was first getting into the sport, seeing you running through the Lake Sonoma aid stations, like chucking a pack, grabbing a new one, never, you know, slowing your stride at all. Water, um, watershed moment of aid station efficiency. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was like, Dakota's wearing packs. Everyone else is going handheld. Um, I was always just kind of curious, like, have you always thought about, you know, those just being efficient all the way through race? And like, how does that play into, you know, a longer hundred mile like Western States versus even a shorter one? Are you still going to try and be like pretty quick through all the aid stations? Yes, absolutely. I'm not going to like be switching out packs at at Western States. I'll use the same one from Mm -hmm. start to finish. Uh, But the faster I am through an aid station, the better. I always want to do that. I I think that for me, like basically my goal is like, I don't need to go fast, especially for a hundred miles. It's a long way. I don't actually ever need to go fast. I just need to not stop. I need to be consistent. So like Mm -hmm. consistency is my main thing. And um, so like stopping at an aid station and messing around, eating food, drinking water, that can work, but I feel like then you kind of have to compensate for that lost lost time, that, that time sent, spent there by going a little faster. Mm-hmm. I'd rather basically try to eat and drink more on the go. Yeah. That said, at a race like this, I will like come into the main aid stations and like drink a bunch of water and like take the bottles to go. But if, I mean, if I can be in and out of an aid station in less than a minute, then I'm psyched. Um, yeah, and, and, and it also like, there's a psychological component to that too. If you're running with someone and they stop at the aid station, you don't all of a sudden you're out of sight. Yeah. It's fantastic. Totally. You know, it helps. It's, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Cause then it feels like you just gained something for like not having to exactly. do anything extra. Yeah. When you approach, um, you know, a race like this, like Western States, um, in terms of like, you know, your game plan out there, are you thinking of any particular splits or times to the aid station or is it just more like effort based, this is where I'd like to be uh, in terms of how I feel through various points. What does, you know, what does like race day strategy look like for you now that you've been in this yeah. for a while? You know, I'm really like not quantitative in the way I race mm-hmm. or, or run that much. I will wear a watch and stuff and I <clears throat> like, I will have a, a sense of, of splits, I think. Um, but for the most part, when I'm racing, I, I want to, I'm like aware of where everybody else is mm-hmm. sometimes way too much, but you know, I'm, I'm like keeping track more or less overall of my position in this, in the race. And then, um, <clears throat> just trying to manage my own intensity levels. So, um, basically I, I think what I always say is like, I know how hard I can run a hundred miles. Yeah. Even that this is a different race. So it's like, I don't know exactly. Right. But it's like, I know I can do this, the distance and I have an idea of like how hard I can do that. And I always go like some 10, 15% harder than that in a race. Yeah. That's what racing is. You know, it's like, can I hang on? I don't know. We're going to hope, but like, I don't want to go 30 or 40% beyond like what I'm, what I know I can do. Mm -hmm. Like I have to maintain it within some limits. And if somebody's blasting off the front, I'm going to have to let them go. 
and, and hopefully I, I have like the wherewithal to do that. I think that's where experience comes in. I was going to say, yeah. have you gotten better at estimating that, that tipping point? Yeah, I think so. Over time. Yeah, I definitely have gotten better at estimating that. I've also gotten more confidence in like being able to take more risks. I think like you said, I've done more hundreds and I've figured out the distance a little more. This one is a, a bit, I mean, everyone's different, right? But yeah, I think I've gotten better at doing that. Um, but there's also like the, the, the opposite end of that. It's like, <clears throat> if, like I just said, maybe it's, it's hard to let somebody go off the front if you're trying to run at your own time. I was just going to ask you about that. But it's also hard if you feel great and you're the guy off the front. Like this has happened to me multiple times where I'm like trying to run my own race and I'm like slow, feel like I'm going too slow with other people and I end up way off the front and then I feel like I'm the one who's being aggressive and, and like intense and, um, I don't know. Like I would sit here in this interview and I would say, there's no way I'm going to be off the front 15 miles into Western States. But sometimes that happens and I'm like, Oh God, here we go. What am, is this a bad idea? I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the mystery of race. Day. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to ask you if you fell more on the spectrum of like race, your own race versus my day is going to be dictated by the conditions, the competitors, all that kind of stuff. I, I definitely try to race my own race, but my own race is dictated by the, the conditions for sure. Mm-hmm. So like Western States here, like there's a ton of snow in the high country. Yeah, yeah. I've heard some, you're not going to do like a 2017 Walmsley, like just like fight the escarpment, fight the high country. Yeah. I don't, I hope not. I'd like to, you know, again, sitting here in this interview on the on Tuesday or Monday, whenever we're going to like, <clears throat> I'm going to go easy for the first 30 miles. It's going to be super chill. I'm not going to try at all. And then at forest hill, I'll push. I don't know. Um, in reality, it'll be, I'll be going harder than I want to go, but through the snow, especially, I think that you can really waste a lot of energy because it's like more uneven. You could slip around. You could be like flexing all these weird muscles you're not used to or don't want to be flexing. You know, it's, it can like really add up, especially early. So my goal is to just be super chill, to move at a good pace. I think I know how to run in the snow. I think the snow is a lot easier to run in than Utah or Colorado. Um, but I'm just rambling at this point. So we could go through all the scenarios of race day for hours. What else should we cover? That was that was the last question I had. Um, yeah, the last bit was just a, our special tradition. Yes, we have a special tradition. Okay, let's go. Well, you're the second person, but we're calling it a tradition. Nice. Yep. It's got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, this being the first year of kind of this single track Western coverage. Can you uh, can you get the tradition for us? Oh, Maddie's oh, got it. Maddie's got it. Nice. Um, we have the official watermelon of Western States. Oh, that is and, the, yeah. Uh, so with the official watermelon of Western States, uh, oh, yeah, okay. there's two things that we're having all of our guests do. You have 15 seconds to try and draw your best cougar. And we're counting down. Okay, cool. And and then yeah. you'll sign it. So it's kind of like a like a caricature-ish nice. type watermelon for I'm going to draw cougar. like a 45-year-old woman. <laughs> hey, I, I just say cougar. Like, take, take it however. This is not the first time you heard that. Take it however <laughs> way you want. <laughs> okay, so you're timing me now. Okay. okay. Three, two, one, go. Okay. This is what they look like. Mm-hmm. Dakota, you were a, a cat. Five, four, three, yeah. two, one. Okay, time's up. Shit. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. All right. This is what they look like. <laughs> right on. I like it. Great job on the ears. It, it says rar. 
Yeah, that's how you know. Is that Courtney's? <laughs> that's Courtney's. She signed it. Damn. Well, well no, we're we're gonna get your signature. Too. That's the next uh, part. Okay, cool. Everyone knows it's yours. Just write my name. Awesome. Dakota Jones, we cannot thank you enough for your time, your generosity, uh, your perspective on the sport, and we're really excited you're here. Just thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's yeah. fun to be a part of this. I love what you guys are doing.